welcome once again to the Karis Podcast. Believe Do it or you know not, what number this is. Oh, yeah, good question. Um, so this is actually number nineteen. Wow. Yeah. 19. Episode nineteen. I should have said that last time. Last time was eighteen, but this one's nineteen. So we are going. This is, I'm here. This is Katie Tuck. <laughs> I'm here with. Kim Nielsen. All right. And so we are going to be going through Classical Me, Classical Thee. I have a feeling it's just going to take a handful of episodes, maybe three. We'll see. We might have Mr. Knetter join us for one or two. Um, but we are going to start uh, just going over chapters one through th- three. So for those of you who didn't hear our last podcast, this book, Classical Me, Classical Thee, is written by Becca Merkel. And it is written from the perspective of, I mean, she is a former student of classical Christian education, and she actually teaches in it right now. So she is basically talking to the classical student. Yeah. I loved the premise of this, like, you know, for a student, like, who oftentimes, like, I mean, our kids have been in it, obviously, before they were actually able to choose what they're doing for right. education, you yep. know, and so just her talking directly to them of like, what is this all for? And we so often as parents kind of talk a big picture or what is the purpose of this, but I don't know how often we actually sit down with our students and kind of describe things to them. And so I loved the premise of this book. Yeah, it's it's really good. I actually think I might make my oldest student read it because we do sit down. He yeah. has gone through phases like, why are we doing it this way? Yeah, my students actually, I mean, my kids do <laughs> yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, so we'll occasionally, you know, go through, okay, this is why we have chosen, you know, this yeah. type of education. And um, so... Yeah, it is. Especially once they s- learn logic and they try to, oh, oh that why, you know. It's Sorry. so true. I was not just, that my kids sound like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, so when we were arguing about something the other day, I was telling Kim this, that um, my one of my, well, just my son called us, we were like Frankenstein, we've created a monster. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's true, because you yes. could argue me all, you know, yeah. I'll argue me You're every so day. persuasive. Yeah, huh? exactly. But it's okay. I'm the mom, so I win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also liked, um, in her introduction, um, Rebecca Merkel, you know, obviously it's written for classical students. Even the style is definitely, you know, the examples, her style is definitely directed towards them. Um, but she said also parents, um, and as the curriculum gets more difficult or you see your child struggling, um, as we hear them grumbling and complaining, which I'm sure your kids never do, my kids never do that. Um, <laughs> you could be asking some of those same questions, like, what is this all for? Is it worth it? Like, why am I doing this? Why are we, you know, why are we putting in all this effort and money into this? So I thought, yeah, both for parents and students, it was a great book. And um, I think it's important to note that this has been our journey together, too, is reading books together. You're it's my true. book buddy. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I, I only read hard books when Kim will read them with me. <laughs> I mean, we don't sit down and read them together. No. But we read them at the same time and discuss them. So yes. this is fun to be able to podcast on something that we're actually re- read together and we're yeah. discussing. That's true. Yeah. That's, we, a few years ago, we read War and Peace with Mr. Knutter. Yes. That w- I think he well. said it was... No, he said that Anna Karenina was his favorite book, or maybe he said War and Peace, but that got us into Russian literature that year. That's right. That's what it was. Okay. 
Yeah, fun. Anyways, okay, so we're going to read an easier book than that. <laughs> yeah, this was much easier than one <laughs> but piece. But it is really fun. So we'll start, you gave us an introduction, which is great. Um, we'll start with, do you have anything else for introduction? Um, or should we start with chapter one? Let me see. I don't even know if this was in chapter one or in the introduction. This you're is gonna, in the introduction. You're going to hear us flipping through our books. Um, but I thought it was really helpful. One of the things she said is so often when she's talking to students in classical schools that they value the education that they received, but often in retrospect. Yeah. Not while they're in it, but in retrospect. Hmm. Um, and if they had a chance, they would kind of do that redo. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, you know, again, I've done the same things in my life, like, oh, I wish I could go back, I would do this differently, or I would appreciate this differently. And so I just was going to read this quote on page 11. Um, She says, the choices you're making now drastically affect your actual life. And if you're in a classical school, you're sitting in the midst of a huge pile of opportunities. But a lot of students haven't noticed them because they all seem so normal and humdrum. I would love for you high school students to realize what a crazy privilege you have and understand how many people would kill to have received what you're yawning over. I think if you could pause for a moment and really grasp the significance of what you're receiving, it just might change the way you think about all the work you have to do every day. And let's face it, You have to do the work anyway. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to find out that it's actually a huge and very valuable opportunity? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to dive into. We're going to dive into this as, you know, parents, most of us haven't had a classical Christian education. So even to be able to talk to our students in a way that helps them to see the value of it now while they're in it. Um, So... You can grab a copy of this if you'd like. You can make your student read it if you'd like. <laughs> no, well, don't don't d- tell them we recommended that. Yeah, I am <laughs> thinking, oh, this would be good for all of our students. Yeah, it's true. Maybe someday. But we'll just go through it um, right now. So the first chapter, um, we're talking about a fundamentally different pizza. So basically, a Christian classical education is fundamentally different. Most of us, as parents, went to a school that wasn't classical. So as we learn more about this type of education, it's easy for us to see that it's how so very different it is than other kinds of education education. Um, We talked about this in our last episode, sort of the end of classical Christian education. But too many people today think the primary goal of education is to get enough knowledge and training to go to college and get a good job. But classical Christian educators and parents know this goal is too low. Um, So what else did you see here in this chapter? Yeah, I think it was, um, again, she's really just setting the stage. But I think it was important to know, like, again, it's not like you're comparing a pepperoni pizza and a cheese pizza together you're you're eating completely different foods and so it's and I think that was helpful you know as we as we tried to compare um, different models of education oftentimes you can get confused if you're looking at what the day-to-day looks like even because sometimes it seems like well they're studying writing or they're doing math and you know the only thing we do is we do some logic and we you know, pop in Latin, Latin. in yeah. there. <laughs> um, and we study more of the great books, but, you know, I didn't have a classical education, but I read a lot of classics in high school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is the big difference? And I think that was really, you know, she's setting the stage of kind of what we talked about 
last time that the, the difference is really the goals in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she talked last time you also talked about the drills in basketball and how, you know, you, if you don't know the goal of all these drills, it's going to feel very tedious um, and, and not, boring and boring. Yeah. Um, so our students want to know the final product, whether they say that or not to help them to see the final product will be helpful for their education just to get buy-in from them as well. So um, I think those are good good reminders. I loved how she said, you're sitting eating pizza and you're looking over it like, why can't I have pepperoni? Or not even pizza. It's a different food altogether. But sometimes our students, like we talked about at the beginning, our students are like, why, why are we doing it this way? Why can't I have a big sports team or have, you know, all of these things right. that all these other students have. And these are some of the reasons why, um, why we have chosen this type of education for our students. Yeah. So in chapter two, she really kind of goes into what is, what, again, kind of what we talked about last time, but what is what is the purpose? What's the end game? Um, and she calls it puzzle skills um, because what are we, what are we, what are we looking? Well, and we'll describe why she calls it like that in a second, but, you know, she would say the goal is to turn you into a leader. Mm-hmm. Now, how she defines leader might be different than how we would normally kind of think of it, but it is what we want to see in our students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Students that in any type of situation, um, they'll just rise to the top. She says, um, they want you to be, we want them to be the kind of person who rises to the top like cream, the kind of person others will instinctively follow the kind of person who stands out from the crowd. Um, yeah. Can I read just some of this yeah. as I'm flipping through? Yes, please. Um, she said they they don't want to work on transforming you into an unquestioning little cog in a machine, yeah. a drone for the hive, an unremarkable face in the crowd. They want to see you out in front making a difference, affecting change. And I would just, again, we want to do that for the glory of God. Um, but that, of course, is only half the battle. It's no good being a leader if you have no idea where you're going or why. A leader with a crowd behind him wandering around with no clear direction is not exactly a win. <laughs> and um, I thought that was so good. Like, we don't, I mean, that's why the wisdom and virtue is so important, is that we we do want our students to be able to um, not be um, intimidated, to be able to kind of stand their ground, to be able to articulate their beliefs, um, to again, be able to, I love the idea of like switching between, you know, if we're talking politics, I'm also going to kind of put in literary opinions and history and, all, you know, everything mm-hmm. kind of flows together. That's why it's integrated. But, but again, it all stands on truth, like capital T truth. Right. If they don't know that, if they're going the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how persuasive they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. I, um, we want our students to, um, we want others to be struck with the fact that they they know what they think and why they think it. Um, they can be confident and defend their opinions reasonably. And I, I think you said in our last episode, talked about identity um, as a Christian, even identity in Christ and how you compare that with our education. Like if you know the end, or if you know the point of it um, and what you're, if that's what you're aiming for to become this type of person instead of you know, the extra things that come along with it, which, like we said at the beginning, 
people too often think the end of education is to get a good job or to make a lot of money. Those things are not bad things, but we're aiming too low. And we talked Mm -hmm. about that last time. And then you compared it to identity. And I've been thinking a lot about that too, because, um, it's true. There's, there's other things that come alongside being a human and individual. You're good at different things. You're, um, you're an interesting person. You, you know, I don't know. You, there's things that you think define you. Or these days, there's this like self-actualization. You can make yourself into whomever you want to be. But the thing is, as a Christian, yeah. you are in Christ, and that is solid. That is defined. But then within that, there is so much freedom to do all kinds of things. Being, um, if I had a job before I became a mom, and I put my identity in my job, and then I. Started having kids and I stayed home because I we decided that was the best thing for our family. That doesn't mean my identity has changed because my identity isn't in my job. My identity is Christ, and believing that as my core. Anything that changes around me, um, actually, God uses that to sharpen me. And same with education. So it's like you know, God calls us to become these you know virtuous human beings. We want to be more like Christ, and there's so much we learn alongside of that, but. That's not what we're aiming for. We're aiming to become a type of person. And then all of those other things come with. We don't aim for something that could change at any time. All of those things that we are given just sharpen us to become more of who we're supposed to be. Yeah, it kind of goes back to, um, and again, um, when we're using the term virtue, that's that's more like the classical world uses that term as broader than just moral virtues. Yes, and, good um, reminder. Yeah. And so um, it it's basically encompassing the ability to, to fulfill your life purpose. Mm. Um, and so for, you know, the Greeks, that was this, this free man um, who was able to vote well and, you know, produce this society that was free. And, um, and so, again, it's still, it's, it encompasses more than just my moral Virtues. It's not the opposite, like vice virtue. It's it's really my moral and intellectual virtues, so that I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, that's really good. Good. Yeah, that's and that's really why helpful. it never changes, right? Because right. I mean, that's your identity is secure, right. whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a doctor or a plumber or a. And so that's for our students what we want to see. It's the kind of men and women they're becoming. And, and the goal is not for a certain profession or a certain status mm-hmm. in culture because, again, that can get taken away. That can change. That's not, that's not a good foundation. Right. You know, it goes actually back to, I keep going back to our last podcast, but you brought up humility as a huge, you know, one of these big virtues of a basis of, of what we need to think through for education. And, um, and it's so true that, like, I would say even comparison is such a huge issue these days. You're always comparing yourself, you know, to the next person. And the thing is, if your identity is secure, we're not going to, we're not going to get caught up in that. It's easy to do. Yeah. Um, Because there's always going to be someone who's better at something than you. Yes. Or worse at something than you. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, that's not very secure. And it's valuing the diversity. I mean, that's, that's God's design. You, yeah. diversity is just God's design. And so being a diverse, you know, human race and individuals in our, even in our school, it's like, 
somebody's good at this, somebody's good at that. We can be unique and enjoy those things about one another without comparison. Yeah. Um, and that is you know, what we hope and pray for in this education. And I, I do love when I see that, I, you know, every class kind of has different cultures and different atmosphere that they set. And mm-hmm. I really love, uh, there's a couple of our classes that I just feel like do that really well yeah. where they, they're very different in a lot of ways, but they really encourage one another and lift one another up and kind of enjoy those differences. And that makes the atmosphere really fun. Yeah. A lot more joyful. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I think I really loved, you know, I'm always curious about her titles. So this, the reason she calls it puzzle skills is she uses this illustration of doing a puzzle um, without the picture on the box and how messy and difficult and jumbled that is versus when you do a puzzle with the picture on the box and actually look at that picture and it makes sense of the pieces. And um, she um, said, every human in this world is confronted with the puzzle pieces in the form of competing facts, Mm -hmm. claims, evidence, and opinions. If you have been given a classical Christian education, you've been handed the box with the picture on the front. And so it it just gives our students, again, a fundamentally different framework by which to evaluate what they're hearing and seeing in the world. Yeah, she she did a great job relating this. And as a matter of fact, I think when she said, if somebody handed you a puzzle... Um, it was also, it was actually three different puzzles in one box. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, well, so if you had this puzzle box and these three different puzzles, you could do the tedious work of looking at the picture on the front and comparing each piece and seeing if it fit in and and then move on. But then imagine if you didn't get that picture and then there, there's just no way you could do it. So she did come compare that to our worldview. Like our worldview does not believe in a random universe that arrived here by blind chance in a world where nothing coheres. Um, in this worldview that we believe student me- students memorize, or that we don't believe, sorry, in this worldview where it's the random universe, students memorize stuff, but nobody expects it to connect. That's why in our education, you can say two plus two does not equal four equals five these days. And because nothing connects, it's just what you want, what you are defining as true in that moment. It is not capital T truth. That yeah. is what's true for you in the moment. Um, we are compete like I think I was going back actually I wrote down the same quote we are confronted every day with these competing facts but um, so the most vital thing that our students are being taught is not the facts themselves um, it's the skill of being able to analyze them I thought it was great the, a huge thing she said was facts will be forgotten yes <laughs> he's like don't tell it's almost like a secret just so you know these facts that you have to memorize you will forget them. Yes, <laughs> which is so true. And it's easy to get discouraged. I remember feeling like as a teacher, like, what? You learned this two years ago. Why don't you still know this? And it's like, yeah, how many facts do I forget? But sure. yeah, she. I love this quote too that kind of goes along with that. I think it's right after the one you were giving. Um, it's on page 25, but it says, the biggest and most fundamental difference between what you are receiving and what the rest of American teenagers are receiving is that you are being taught to look at life as if it makes sense, Mm -hmm. as if it all hangs together and is part of the same picture. You are being taught to think about it critically. The most vital thing that you're being taught is not the facts themselves. It is the skill of being able to analyze them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're saying, that it's 
it's possible. And, and I like this too. She said, you'll forget the facts. And it is possible to approach even a classical education in a way that ensures you will get nothing profound out of it. Ouch. So yeah. if you are not looking at the box, right, the front of the box, and if you're so focused on individual pieces, what's on the test, um, why do I have to do this, blah, 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 and not on the overall picture, then you, even though you're receiving this education, could kind of miss the fruit of it. Yeah. She, for, for those folks who remember the karate kid, she oh, did good. talk did about like that example. One. And I thought it was a really good one, kind of like the basketball one, but even more so, you know, it's, um, gosh, what was his name? I forgot his name. Uh, Ralph Macchio. Ralph I don't, but that's world? not, that's his actual name. I don't remember oh. what his name is in the movie. Oh, golly. The and Karate Kid. We'll just call him the Karate the Kid. The Karate Kid I, and his, Mr. Um, Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So the Karate Kid was being taught, you know, to wax the car, wax on, wax off, and then do, do all these other things that yeah. he did not realize fit yeah, together. Yeah, like the paintbrush up and down. Up and down. Yes, exactly. All these other pieces. He's like, what in the world? But then he actually puts them all together and realizes this is what's making him become a good fighter, a good, what do you call Karate that? fighter. Karate. <laughs> I don't know. Karate, karate guy. kid. I don't know. Karate <laughs> kid. Exactly. But I thought that was a great example for those of us who, you know, lived through those karate kid years. I did like, watch that film with my course. kids oh, not did? that long ago. It was That's a great amazing. idea. Oh, man. It's we so need to do amazing. that, too. Um, but I think that that is a good reminder that there is actually a, a way to approach even a classical education in a way that ensure, ensures you'll get nothing terribly profound out of it. And I think that that's a good warning for us, even as parents, to really um, think through what value we are giving our kids um, and for them to just see the value in all of this, that it's the skill that we're gaining from our teachers. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And so in that, then she goes into chapter three, which is called the right map. And um, uh, again, it's the goal is to become a articulate, creative, clear thinking and persuasive person, a leader that is a shaper of culture. And I would just add, you know, that seeks God's glory yep. in engaging the world around them. Mm -hmm. And that um, is what, what we're aiming for. And she said, you can actually follow the map. Like there is a roadmap. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's really one of the, the difference that we're saying is that as believers, and I think, um, in the humility, I think that classical education is saying, Hey, we can look at people who've gone before us. There is some type of map. Um, and, and maybe we want to change a couple of the little roots on the map now that we've learned more, but there is an overall map. Um, and that's very different than what our culture is saying is like, Hey, we just, we're kind of like snob chronological snobs. I think I've heard that term. Yes, like yeah. we know what's best. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes we're trying to create new maps that have no direction, you know, or no tried true routes. Right. Yeah. Well, when you're trying to throw out history, there, there's not humility in that and you're not going to be able to learn from any, any of that. And that is basically what they're trying to do these days, throw out history, um, and start over. So yeah. So we, we hope and pray at the, the end of this that, um, our students will be able to follow the map and think clearly. Yeah. I think it's just important to remember like those drills that are, you know, back is in this chapter that she talks about the basketball. That's right. Game. Yep. It was this chapter. And just again, the drills, the wall sits, the running up and down the court, 
Um, for our students, it might be the commonplacing, the reading all the books, the writing the papers, the um, I mean, what <laughs> the Latin exercises um, are drills to equip you and strengthen you for the game. Yeah. And if you lose that, it, yeah, you can just kind of feel like, what is all this for? Yep, exactly. Yeah, so when you're, you know, you've got a kindergartner, first grader, and they're singing their chants, or they're <laughs> singing their, <laughs> um, their uh, preposition, prepositional prepositional phrases, phrases. Yeah. yes, all those words, um, you can just know that these are creating habits that are, you know, shaping them, Lord willing, into students who are going to you know, love knowledge, creating them into a, a type of person who, they might forget these facts, um, hopefully not some of these prepositions. <laughs> hopefully some of them <laughs> will know, stick. They, <laughs> they do stick in my head, too. Some of these songs, they're pretty yeah. good. But, you know, even if they don't, um, these are creating skills that will be with them forever. Yeah. And that will lead us into our next podcast um, that we'll, we'll start getting into chapters four through ten um, are really behind the drill. And so that's when we're going to get into more specifics of, you know, the next one, like behind the drill, what is Latin? What is literature? Why do we do these things? What, you know, it's a drill, but what is, what, how does this help us in the game? Yeah, I think, um, I'm thinking we'll probably do the next three chapters all together, but it is possible Latin will last us a while because it's actually really helpful to think through why Latin. Um, that's a big question we get, and I'm sure so several of you have heard it before and have heard different ways, um, ways of putting it and why we study Latin, but I think it would be a good thing to dive into. So if that yeah. takes a little longer, we'll separate it out a bit. But And we'll invite Mr. Kinnetter into Ooh. that one for sure. He will, exactly. Um, so as we end, once again, do you have a recommendation for us, Kim? So putting her on a spot. Good, I know. Um, <laughs> I, you do yours first, Katie. Okay. Um, I feel like I have a couple, but I could go. Okay. Well, I'm just going to do one that's, um, there is a book called uh, Praying Scripture Back to God. Um, by Kenneth Boa. Um, he is a NAVS guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he put this book together and it has been so helpful um, in my prayer life. You know, when you just feel dry and you have a hard time praying, this is just all scripture and um, it gives suggestions. Then it goes through scripture to pray and then it talks about, you know, what, what you can pray through. And there's different sections. You can pray, you know, every day for a week, this you can do, it can be a monthly, it can be for a different occasion, but um, I, I highly recommend it. I actually called the publisher and it was a lady in Atlanta um, who's his secretary and she sent me a bunch oh, of his nice. books for friends for Christmas. Um, but it's like old school. So I, I think oh, they're yeah. back on. I think I have one by him on, I think it's called Pursuing Wisdom and it yeah. was on Proverbs. Yes, there's several yeah. of them that are just so good, very scriptural. And so I would highly recommend those. They're, they can be hard to find. Um, I think they actually just reprinted them, but I, I love all of those books because it's all just scripture put together really well. Yeah, that's great. Um, we'll just go the spiritual route. Today. I know I was going to do and, a different one. So yeah, that's what we're doing this um, time. <laughs> so I, I will follow that. And I, um, I know in our state of the school, we kind of did um, a roadmap of Philippians. And again, I've kind of, uh, we did a women's retreat where we were doing Philippians 4. And so I've really been reading and kind of um, soaking in Philippians. And so I would just encourage and I think recommend to to kind of read um, scripture 
like a whole book, you know, and read it in one sitting and then dive into it. Mm -hmm. But so often we, um, we separate out and we, I mean, it's good. We dive in, you know, just a couple verses at a time, but so often we can kind of piecemeal things together. And again, you don't see the bigger picture then. And so thinking of what we're talking about classical education, how important it is to see the overall picture and to see the picture before you like look at all the details, I think scripture is even more so like that. And so yeah. if we want to wisely handle the word of God, um, look at kind of the full picture and then dive into, you know, what is the context here? What is it actually saying before I start saying, oh, what does this mean for me? Um, but yeah, and just, I would encourage you to just like meditate and really get in as deep as you can and um, dwell on it. Um, because I know for me, that's really um, impacted even the last, you know, month as I've been kind of looking, um, and studying in that chapter. Yeah. 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 Way to pull it back to the <laughs> education. It's true. We do talk about it like a feast set before you as education and that's like scripture too, a feast yeah. set before us. And, yeah. Um, well, and I love, it's like, yeah, we, we learn to study well and, and we should apply that to our study of scripture. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of the, the highest pinnacle of what we're studying. Yeah, that's good. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we will see you next time, Lord willing. And um, if you have any feedback or anything you want us to go through, please do send us a message. Otherwise, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.